I'm Keaton Fletcher, an assistant professor of psychology at the Georgia Institute of Technology. And I'm Mariana Arvon, an organizational psychologist who specializes in organization and talent development. And this is Healthy Work. Hey, Mariana. Hey, Keaton. Long time no talk. It has been a very long time. We have had quite a few changes um, and transitions going on. Yeah, things have been happening. I am now talking to you from my walk-in closet. I feel very bougie in my new home in Colorado. (laughs) Uh, And so hopefully the audio is a little bit better than under the covers on my bed in my condo. And do you want to talk a little bit about your your new role? Because I am very excited for you. Uh, Yeah. So in the fall, I will be starting as an assistant professor at Colorado State University, also in IO Psychology. Kim and I both got jobs there and we're really excited to be joining a program that has a focus on occupational health psychology and is part of um, a NIOSH training grant. So we can make sure that we have students who are funded to study occupational health psychology in particular, which is exciting. Yay. Very, very excited for you both. Colorado is very lucky to have you. What's been keeping you busy, Mariana? Well, I am almost 34 weeks pregnant. <laughs> you got this. You're doing great. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really fun to be, you know, this this heavily pregnant in Florida in the summer. So <laughs> hanging Ideal in timing. there. <laughs> just perfect. Just perfect. Yep. Hanging in there only, you know. I mean, we'll see. She can come whenever. So we're very excited and preparing for that. So that's kept me busy in addition to sort of trying to wrap up, you know, everything at work. So uh, more to come. But, you know, obviously, we're going to try to get in as many episodes for you before then, because God knows after, you know, unless you guys want to hear a screaming newborn on on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're gonna have to figure out some sort of uh, parental leave situation for you for this unpaid (laughs) podcast. Perfect. All right. Well, now that we've updated our listeners as to why we've been gone for uh, a while, I I think justifiably so, some big transitions Mm -hmm. in our lives, I have a question for you that honestly, I'm just going to straight up borrow it from one of my favorite other podcasts called Normal Gossip. Mariana, what is your relationship with gossip? Ooh. um, You know, I'd like to say that I don't do it. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and, and use the example of work gossip. I'd like to say that I don't do it, but some of it does creep in despite your best intentions. So uh, I would say I'm, I don't think I'm a heavy gossiper, but I've definitely been very interested in sort of what are the inside details at times. And sometimes it's just come up naturally. So yes, uh, like a light to moderate user of gossip. <laughs> All right. All right. I personally love gossip. I am always down <laughs> to hear a story, but like, oh, this is good. You know, I think that's always fun. Yeah. Uh, I'm a fan of like gossip that's useful of like, hey, you might want to avoid this person because of yeah. like X, Y, Z reasons or like don't step on this person's toes. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's that. Those are my vibes about gossip. Well, I I have a study for you that focuses on the negative impacts of being a target of negative workplace gossip, because there is recognition that we can have gossip that isn't necessarily derogatory or mean-spirited. It's just helpful or like keeping people in the know. But this study focuses on (laughs) that derogatory, (laughs) mean-spirited gossip. (laughs) 
The study's authored by Jai and colleagues, sorry if I mispronounced that, and asked participants to rate the degree to which they were the subject of negative workplace gossip, the degree to which they completely unplug from work when they're home, so you know what we call detaching, and how satisfied they are with their lives. Really straightforward. And they found that people who felt like they were the target of more negative gossip at work had a harder time detaching from work when they were home, and ultimately that predicted lower life satisfaction. Now, these were all time-separated across weeks, right? So you have week one measuring gossip, week two measuring detaching, week three measuring life satisfaction. So in theory, it's not just sort of negative mood that's explaining this. And then what's also sort of like an interesting add-on here, they measured family-supportive supervision. So that's the degree to which your supervisor really facilitates your family life. So maybe they provide flexible work hours, they're understanding if you have to call out to help your sick child, or, you know, they just like acknowledge and ask about how your family is doing. You know, maybe (laughs) they recognize you have a newborn and ask you about how that's going or how your transition's going. That'd be family supportive supervision. And so for people who felt that their supervisors were more supportive of their family lives, feeling like you're the target of negative workplace gossip didn't really affect psychological detachment. Um, But if your supervisor wasn't supportive, that's when it really mattered. So if you didn't have a family supportive supervisor and you felt like you were the target of negative workplace gossip, you you started to really suffer there. And what's also really interesting is that this all is the case even after accounting for just trait-level negative affect. So these relationships aren't there just because someone tends to be a grumpy pants, you know, (laughs) and is (laughs) over-reporting being the subject of gossip and under-reporting detachment and life satisfaction. And there's something even weirder about this study um, on Mm. top of this, right? Like, all that feels pretty straightforward and makes sense, and I think it's worth talking about gossip in the workplace and like what we can do around that that's why i brought this but there was something very interesting in this study that the authors didn't even really talk about because it's not really germane to like the main subject but family supportive supervision was actually related to lower levels of detachment so if you're looking to detach from work In this study, the best case scenario was a supervisor who was low in family supportive supervision and you weren't the target of workplace gossip, which is super duper counterintuitive. And like we can dive into like why I think that might be the case. But, you know, the data are what the data are. And like I triple checked (laughs) all the different places to make sure like the numbers were aligning the same right because this is quite unexpected. You know, often we think of family supportive supervision as this good thing that's good all around, should help you detach. But um, even at like the one-to-one correlation level, we see this negative relationship after accounting for gossip. We still see this negative relationship. When we look at the interaction, we see this negative relationship. And so there's either something weird about this sample or maybe something that's worth diving more into with the family supportive supervision role. But I'm happy to talk about gossip, happy to talk about family supportive supervision and what might be going on there. Yeah, a lot to unpack there. Well, let me let me ask you, what why do you think family supportive supervision was related to lower detachment? Assuming it's not a fluke, assuming it's not like a, a sampling bias issue. Yeah, assuming it's not a fluke in the sampling bias issue, my gut instinct is telling me that there's this give and take associated with family supportive supervision where your supervisor is supportive of your family. But maybe that also means that like in return, it's expected that your family's supportive of work, right? Or that you are supportive of your work role while you're at home. And so it's harder to detach when you're at home when you have this supervisor that's, you know, supporting you 
in your family role with that flexibility at work, really kind of depending on how it manifests. It reminds me of integrators versus segmenters, right? Where we mm-hmm. have people who like their work lives enmeshed and like the flexibility of that, the integration versus people who, you know, prefer these things to be separate and not to touch the segmenting. And family supportive supervision is much more on that integrating side. You're talking about family at work. You have flexibility in your work role because of your family. And then I think, you know, the flip side of that might be that it's harder to detach when you're at home because of that, right? You are integrating, you know, you have a a work supportive home life. I think that might be what's going on there. Yeah, that's really interesting. And then, you know, also you kind of hinted at this, but, you know, family supportive leadership is family supportive leadership. I I, want to acknowledge that that's what it is. But I wonder possibly, is this to some degree related to like LMX and feeling the need to sort of reciprocate and be a strong player right and then you're constantly thinking like you know my boss is really supportive of my life and I I need to really be a rock I'm just curious about that like I I need to be a rock star and I need to think about you know continuing to sort of deliver on my end so kind of what you said Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. okay cool let me ask you what surprised you the most about this study I mean, certainly the role of family supportive supervision and that when you look at the interaction, the worst case scenario as far as detachment goes is that supportive supervisor and being the target of workplace gossip. The only thing I can think of like that particular interaction that's going on there is that you are you do have a harder time disengaging because you have that family supportive supervisor. And so then if you feel like you're the target of workplace gossip, not only are you feeling bad about that after work, but you're really feeling bad about that after work because you're still ruminating about work because of sort of that um, give and take with that family supportive supervisor. That was really surprising. As I, you know, I thought sort of all around family supportive supervision would be a good thing and protective, and so you'd expect the best case scenario to be supportive supervisor and no gossip. But yeah, that wasn't, wasn't what they found. Yeah, it is. It's really interesting. So basically, to make sure I'm understanding this correctly, if you have a family supportive supervisor and are the subject of workplace gossip, you ha- you have more trouble detaching, correct? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything you said makes a lot of sense. I also, you know, I don't know if this study tested it, but it'd be interesting to see in a future follow-up, like, what the domain of the gossip was. Like, was it related to your personal life or was it related to work or, you know, mm-hmm. um, I-, I think that would be inter- an interesting layer to add to this. Yeah, Absolutely. So if I'm a manager, what should I take away from this study? You know, I don't think the takeaway is don't be a family supportive supervisor. That is one of the (laughs) risks here. You know, detaching isn't everything. And I think that there are trade-offs. I think um, one takeaway might be, you know, what can we do to reduce negative workplace gossip? Make sure that discussions are held in a civil and open way, that they are task-oriented or even relationship-oriented, making sure that people's relationships are uh, cordial, if not beneficial. Um, And then continue being a family supportive supervisor. But think about what you're expecting in return. Are you expecting that the worker is on all the time, um, even when they're not working during work hours? And what can you do to sort of alleviate some of that burden uh, might be something to think about. And I think that puts a lot of effort on the manager here. I think as an employee, you know, maybe don't gossip negatively about your coworkers uh, or (laughs) don't let them find out. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I think... I think that makes a lot of sense. And I, I was sitting here just sort of stewing on this. And you know what I wonder? It's harder to detach if you have a family supportive supervisor and if you are the su- subject of workplace gossip. I wonder if it's that tension between my coworkers are awful, but my boss is really great. Mm. How am I going to fix this? 
you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, so, you know, because we know that they tend to go together, satisfaction with coworkers and satisfaction with supervisors. But, like, in this unique case, you have a su- supervisor who really believes in you, but your coworkers or, you know, sort of people who are in your work environment are the ones who are sort of mistreating you, really, interpersonally, because you are the subject of their gossip and, and sort of, mm-hmm. you know, backdoor conversations. And maybe that's sort of what, what you just you know, mentioned about, you know, let's try to reduce gossip. Maybe the role of the manager is really, really key there in sort of protecting employees um, from mm-hmm. this hostility um, and helping reduce that discrepancy and that dissonance between my boss is amazing, but my coworkers suck. <laughs> yeah. And maybe the flip side of that is when your boss isn't amazing, they aren't high in family supportive supervision. You have no problem detaching because it's like, well, I'm not going to work hard for you because you're not work sucks. supporting yep. me here. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Good insight. I'm often reminded these days of a conversation I had in my cross-country road trip um, from Atlanta to Colorado with my dad, where a lot of our field were really good at describing and discovering what is happening and a little bit of how, but very rarely do we get the why. Um, We can conjecture why, and I think that's what we're doing here. Um, And I think, you know, other science translation podcasts that uh, are much more mainstream than ours, you know, and and not necessarily focused on I.O., make a lot of assertions about the whys. And I think, you know, we fall into that too, because that's what's sexy. That's what you want to know. That's mm-hmm. honestly like why we got into our field in the first place is to understand why people do what they do and why we have these outcomes. But when you get into the data, oftentimes it, we really only speak to what is or occasionally how it is, but very rarely do we actually get to the why. And I think we're butting up against that with this study. Yeah, definitely. It speaks to the importance of qualitative research, thematic analysis, and trying to understand and ask people what is this really like? What is your lived experience like, you know, having gone through this? So all great points. And who knows, Keaton, maybe we're challenging each other to bring a qual study in, into this podcast soon. Oh, no. <laughs> say say qualitative and nine out of 10 IO psychologists will break out into a heavy sweat. So we'll see. No promises. <laughs> all right, Mariana, I'll talk to you next time. Sounds great, Keaton. Bye. Bye. Healthy Work is a podcast written and produced by Keaton Fletcher and Mariana Arvon, mixed and edited by Keaton Fletcher, artwork by Keaton Fletcher, and our music is Zero Micro Song by Steve Combs. Please like us, follow us, and subscribe on whatever podcatching software you use, and leave a review in the iTunes store. It really does help get us out there.